Well, I hope you uh, picked up a, a copy of this sermon notes. We uh, continue our sermon series, Excelling in Our Love for One Another. Uh, we come to our fifth lesson in this study. And if you have not been here before, we're taking a very simple approach. Uh, we're just walking through the New Testament. And we're examining all the one another passages uh, that teach us uh, how to love uh, one another. And the first thing that we need to do uh, today is review uh, last week's message. And you'll understand why in just a moment. And you'll notice there in your notes that uh, first paragraph we examined last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, where the Apostle Paul uh, used the human body, body as an analogy on how God designed the church to function as the body of Christ on earth. Believers uh, make up the many uh, parts of the body uh, with diverse gifts and functions. Uh, Christ, of course, is the head of the body, uh, directing, uh, directing the body. And the Holy Spirit, of course, indwells the body of Christ to coordinate and empower the diverse members uh, to function in unity under the direction of Christ the head. And we saw that Paul drove home uh, three lessons. The first one is many parts, but who remembers? One body. Many, many parts, but one body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, especially verse 12. The, the human body has many parts. Yes, it does. Many different members with various functions, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And then the second truth that we saw is, yes, many parts, but each what? Important. Many parts, but each important. Uh, no one in the body of Christ can say, they don't need me. No. If you are in the body of Christ... God has given you a unique gift. He desires you to function in the body of Christ with that gift, and we desperately need you. Uh, Paul wrote, in beginning at verse 15, If the foot says, well, I'm not a part of the body uh, because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, what, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Uh, if the whole body were an, an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and he's referring to the body of Christ now because it says God has put each part just where he wants it. A sovereign God determines your gifting, determines your place and function in the body of Christ. And so we need one another. And then he goes on how strange a body it would be if we only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And then the third lesson that we saw is, yes, many parts, but all are what? Interdependent. We are interdependent upon one another. Uh, verses 21 through 27. In other words, no one in the, in the body of Christ can say, I don't need them. I don't need you. No, we need desperately one another. And we cannot function properly 
unless we are all exercising our gifts in a coordinated fashion under the direction of the head, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that an extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. I mean, there's, there's parts of the body you never, we talked about this last week, you never think about until something what goes wrong. And then you realize how important that particular part of the body is. Many of our internal, internal organs, which we cannot see, uh, which, so we never again even think about, but just let a problem occur, or let a health issue occur in one of those parts of the body, and we realize how important it is. And so he says, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for one another. If one part suffers, what? All the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Now, here's the application we made last week. And this sort of just sums up, I think, the thrust of last Sunday there in your notes. Since you cannot separate the head from the body, an attack on any member of the body is an attack on Christ. And since all members of the body are vitally connected and interdependent on one another, to attack one another and bring division to the body is an act of what? Self-destruction. Therefore, instead of fighting with one another, we need to care for one another to ensure every member is healthy and effectively carrying out their function in the body of Christ. And, of course, our one another passage, a verse for last week, was verse 25. And there should be no division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. See, it's just, just like my human body. I would be foolish not to take care of the various parts of my body. Not to do so uh, is self-destructive, and it's same in the body of Christ. Now, the introduction to today's message. And here's the point. Today's message is significantly related to last week's message as we look at the two one another verses in the book of Galatians, which teach us, here's the key, how to care for one another in the body of Christ. So last week, we saw the fact that we're all important, we're interdependent, we're all vitally connected, we desperately need one another, therefore we should take care of one another, where the question then rises, well, how do we do that? How do we care for one another? And here in Galatians, we discover exactly how to do that. Uh, the two one another passages that we'll look at, focus on, is verse 13 of Galatians 5 that you see there in your notes. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, what? Serve one another. And then Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So in the larger context in which these two verses are found, we will discover four ways we are to care for one another in the body of Christ. And uh, 
just rest assured I won't finish the message today. We'll get started. I may only just get through the first point and then we'll cover the rest of it next week. But before we move forward, let me just affirm the body one more time. What I will preach today and next Sunday as we look at these four ways to care for one another in the body of Christ, you have taught me over the last 40 years plus. Uh, what I'm just preaching today and next Sunday what you have taught me. And again, it's just another opportunity to me to express my deep, heartfelt appreciation to this church family and the many mature believers that we have that live these truths out. But of course, let me also challenge you, we want to what? Excel even more. Uh, we never want to become satisfied, content, but we want to continue to grow in love. And when I affirm us as a church family, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we have not failed in some of these areas. But I can honestly say uh, many of you have lived these truths out and you have been my teacher and I am forever indebted uh, to you. So how to care for one another in the body of Christ. And of course, the uh, first way is seen in Galatians 5. Verses 13 through 15, we are to what? Serve one another. We care for one another by serving one another. Uh, look at those verses, verses 13, 14, and 15 there in your notes. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Now notice how verse 13 begins. For you were called to freedom. Freedom, listen now. Freedom in the Bible, always without exception refers to being freed from something to something else. It's always freedom. So you're free, delivered from something, but brought to something else. For example, as believers, we are freed from Satan to what? Christ. We are freed from sin to righteousness. We are freed from guilt to forgiveness. Now, in the context of Galatians 5, and it's very important for you to see this, freedom, listen now, this is what he's speaking about in Galatians 5. Freedom is being delivered from trying to earn God's acceptance by what I do for God. That's what we're being freed from, trying to earn God's acceptance by what I do for God, and what am I freed to? to receiving the gift of God's acceptance by trusting in what Christ has done for me. That's the freedom he's talking about in Galatians 5. Where I'm delivered from this insane effort to try to gain God's approval by my performance and my, my efforts, by all that I do, to where I'm just simply trusting what Christ has done for me and receive that acceptance as a marvelous gift. Now listen, beloved, the problem with trying to earn God's acceptance by what you do for Him 
is your best efforts are always going to fall short of His holy standard, of His holy character, which will lead you with nothing but what? Guilt and emptiness. And then what happens? It's inevitable. You will try to cover the guilt, and you'll try to fill the emptiness in one of two ways. And this is exactly what Paul is emphasizing in this portion in the book of Galatians. Some people plunge into legalism. They just try harder. They just adopt all these external rules and regulations. But it never can really, what, change the human heart. And then other people just fall on the other side into license. Thinking, well, that by following their feelings, following their desires, they can fill up that void, that emptiness in their hearts. But listen, but whether you fall into legalism, rules and regulations, or whether you fall into license as following your feelings and desires, you end up in the same place, enslaved by the desires of your flesh and one futile attempt after another to fill the emptiness which only Christ can fill. That's why both are dead-end streets. And at the root of both is that problem. It's an effort of the flesh to fill that emptiness, an emptiness that only Jesus can fill. Now, don't miss the fact, don't miss the fact that here in Galatians, Paul is addressing believers. Believers who had been freed in Christ. They had begun, he said, earlier in the book, so well. I mean, they had started the race great, coming out of the blocks, just, just filled with the fullness of Christ as they enjoyed their freedom. But now, they were being threatened by both legalism and license. As a, revolt, as a result of false teachers who had infiltrated uh, the church. Now, what we need to see as it relates to this message is the impact that legalism and license has on human relationships. And especially in the body of Christ. It's absolutely devastating. Because both legalism and license, both of them, Again, they seem so, so very distant, polar opposites, but there are so many common denominators. And one of them is they both try to use people to cover the guilt and fill the emptiness. Those who fall into legalism, they become what? Dominated by pride, trying to feel superior and therefore cover their guilt, always competing always comparing themselves with one another in the body of Christ, vying for control, which creates factions and divisions in the body of Christ. Legalism always produces that. Those who err on the side of license, they become eaten up with what? Selfishness. And I'm willing to go to war with others to get what I want because it's all about me. It's all about my wants. It's all about my desires, my needs. Now, going back to Galatians 5.13, we read, Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, once you've been freed by Christ, don't be foolish 
and go back into legalism or license, but instead, through love, serve one another. See, don't miss this. As we've already said, legalism and license are both rooted in fleshly desires and efforts to cover our guilt and fill the void and the emptiness. But when God frees a person from the guilt of sin to experience the joy of forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ, and then God fills that person's empty heart with the all-satisfying presence of Jesus, that person cannot help to share with others out of the overflow of God's grace. Only when God is our portion are we truly free. Through love to serve one another. Now, in verses 14 and 15, moving forward, he gives, Paul gives us two incentives to love one another, to serve one another. Uh, in verse 14... He gives a positive incentive. The second one's going to be a negative incentive. Verse 14 reads, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, love your neighbor as yourself is a command. I want to make this very, very simple. There's, this this uh, verse is often misconstrued. But it's so simple. It's so very profound. It's probably one of the most challenging commands. It is probably the most challenging command in the whole Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself is a command to take the instinctive love you have for self and make it the measuring rod of your love and service to others. In other words, care about what happens to others as much as you care about what happens to you. Have the same longing for the happiness of others as you long for happiness yourself. Use all the creativity and energy to meet the needs of others as you use in meeting your own needs. See, Paul says recognizing we have this instinctive sense to care for ourselves, to nourish ourselves. And he says, use that as a measuring rod as you relate to others. And and be driven by that same depth of concern and care for them that you would have for yourself. Now, the second incentive to serve one another, and, uh, and a serving that would be motivated by love, is found in verse 15. As I mentioned, it's a negative incentive. It's a warning of what will happen if we do not love and serve one another. And look at verse 15. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not what? Consumed by one another. In other words, again, that is a warning against legalism and license. Paul says, you have a choice. You can, air, you can choose legalism, you can choose license, but if you do, you're going to destroy one another. You're going to consume one another in the body of Christ. The only thing that can hold the body of Christ together, the glue that connects us and makes it all work, is love. And having a care for one another to where we're committed 
to serving one another. Now, we're going to just pause right there. I have no way I can go into the next point and do it any justice with the time that I have. But it's a good place to stop. I mean, this alone is a great challenge, that we care for one another by serving uh, one another. Uh, you'll notice at the very end of the sermon notes, uh, there's that section on uh, application. And uh, the first one would deal with what we talked about today. Uh, who can I serve through a practical act, act of love? And you'll notice I, I left a blank, didn't I? So I'm challenging you to reflect right now. You know, who could I reach out to in a practical act of service this week that would appreciate that, that it would make a difference in their lives? Because, folks, this is not a message to be learned up here in the intellect. This is a message to do. Uh, to be, uh, again, to get involved. And again, you have been my teachers. What I preach today, I've been taught by you. And what I've been taught by you is that uh, love is an action word. It's a, it's a verb. It's getting involved in the lives of others, serving others. So I really encourage you that you would fill in that blank, that you would... Uh, Consider the relationships that you're in and, uh, and, the, and others in the body of Christ and, uh, and uh, determine some uh, practical way you could serve another individual that would be in need this past week. Bow with me in prayer. Father, uh, we've just begun uh, this message that I trust be immensely practical and helpful in teaching us how to care for one another in the body of Christ, and today we've seen it, it begins by serving one another. We think of even our master, who we read, he did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And Lord, we acknowledge uh, we can only follow his example uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. So Lord, I pray you would give us the grace here at Edgewood Baptist Church to turn from all forms and expressions of legalism and license and that we would know a love that will be rooted in faith in Jesus. Uh, a love that will be rooted in a heart that has been freed of guilt to know the joy of forgiveness. A heart that's been filled with the fullness of Christ and overflows with the desire to share His love, to share the joy He's brought to us uh, with others. And so, Lord, help us to see uh, the need to put this truth into practice. Uh, that's how we grow in love. That's how we increase uh, in our practical service uh, to others by doing and so, Lord, uh, give us grace here in the Edgewood family to see just how important we each are, uh, how we desperately need one another, how we're interdependent upon one another, vitally connected. And, uh, and Lord, uh, in seeing that, uh, may we develop, again, that great, great sense of care for one another, uh, realizing that we're not only ministering to that brother or sister when we reach out to them, but in reality, we're ministering to the church family and strengthening it, enabling the body to function as you intended it. 
uh, for it's in Christ's name we do pray, amen. Please stand as the invitation is extended, and I'll be standing here to greet anyone that ha- would have a, a decision of, uh, for example, uh, wanting to unite with this church family or a public profession of faith, you've recently come to know Jesus. But I trust as, uh, as we sing, you'll be reflecting on uh, what's that person I could put in that blank? What's that situation I could serve, I could minister to this next week? And then uh, you make that commitment, and then when you leave here, you make the plans and uh, get up what you need uh, to take care of that need and to serve that individual in the body of Christ.